0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Talk about podcast.
1: Welcome to the Center for Technological Innovation and Entrepreneurship Podcast. My name is Pierre-Jean, and today I'm going to be your host. In this episode, we are going to talk about innovation and career, the Employee Perspective. And uh, I'd like to welcome Fiona. Fiona, welcome and thank you for accepting our invitation today. So, um, and the first question that I'm gonna ask you is about yourself. So who is Fiona and uh, what's your background and uh, what are you coming from and etc.
0: So I think people would like to know more about you. Great, thank you Pierre for hosting me. Uh, really happy to be here with you. Uh, yes, yeah, so basically I'm a um, former uh, student of the uh, business school as well. I uh, started uh, at uh, Sciences Po, uh, Sciences Po Rennes, uh, so in France, um, doing my business administration then and did a master at ESCT in marketing and creativity already uh, seven years ago. <laughs> Um, and uh, and after this, uh, doing a lot of uh, different internships, uh, always in uh, around marketing and, and fashion. Actually, from uh, uh, from Sephora to ASOS to Burberry, um, I had a different uh, different lights basically on the on the fashion ecosystem. I really wanted to actually build my own startup and uh, started directly from uh, from school. Um, to actually um, entrepreneurship and started to build uh, this um, company called Brentevu, which is basically, which was a peer-to-peer and designers' uh, fashion rental marketplace. And at the time, we were really quite new in this field. It was really the time of uh, sharing economy, and nothing was happening uh, in the fashion area. And then, uh, after three years of intense work, uh, I moved to. Uh, And another startup, uh, learning a lot from this experience, I've moved to a startup called French Founders, going back to my French roots, um, which is a network of uh, entrepreneurs and investors, French speaking, all over the world, with the idea to really connect entrepreneurs and the ecosystem together, uh, opening them new opportunities um, and uh, through through basically direct connections. And one year and a half ago, I moved to Farfetch uh, going back to my, fa- my fashion roots um, and uh, moving there in London uh, as an innovation-free people, um, basically going back also to my entrepreneurship roots, but really making the bridge between entrepreneurship and, uh, and basically the more corporate world. Wow,
1: excellent, thanks. So you've been working quite a lot in, in startup, actually, after you left um, OSCP. So OSCP, for the people that don't know that yet, it's Ecole Supérieure de Commerce de Paris. And uh, after, so you moved into the startup world just after, correct? Exactly.
0: Just
1: after. Okay. Excellent. And, and before we get into the details about this jump on uh, moving from your startup and uh, the startup ecosystem to, to Farfetch, I also would like to ask you about where you currently are. So, uh, you've been living in Paris, in London, etc. And where are you at this moment of your life? And, and, and why did you choose actually to come to this place?
0: Yes. So, big teasing. I'm actually in Lisbon. <laughs> <Spain. laughs> and uh, yeah. I, it's, a, it's a real choice. Uh, it's definitely a choice. Uh, I, I made my company basically relocating me um, in November, so it's been a few months only uh, after eight years in London. And um, and why this choice? Um, because I really believe in uh, first. I really believe in, in Portugal as a, as a new ecosystem uh, for innovation and for startups. I feel that uh, there is a lot of energy going on. Uh, there's a lot of talent coming, uh, there's a lot of inherent uh, talent as well, uh, from tech, from a tech perspective, but not only. Um, there is a real culture of, you know, working, uh, which I found in my company, and feeling every day in my company as well, working directly with the with uh, the Portuguese teams uh, here and in Porto, uh, but also there is, um, a kind of simplicity that I really like, uh, and I feel that uh, there is also maybe less noise than in some other very crowded uh, startup ecosystems, uh, which I feel very positive. I think there is a very positive uh, vibe, and uh, people are also very eager to, you know, to do things and to um, to to learn. Um, so, so yes, I'm really, I really feel that there is the the right setup to for innovation here.
1: Okay, so in, um, in 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 Lisbon is uh, so a choice of yours. You've been able to relocate so far since November. I guess you didn't have a lot of chances to really go out because of COVID, but um, you've been able to meet the ecosystem and other people in the in the Lisbon ecosystem already.
0: A bit. So uh, I think. What is really interesting is to see that so many people are actually making this place as a as a hub. Um, like uh, so, French people that I know, uh, some French entrepreneurs being here, even for you know temporary time, but really finding uh, this place as a. Inspiration place for them to to work and uh, and so from entrepreneurs to even investors there are some you know also famous investors in France that are here uh, so I think it's a it's a it's a great ecosystem but not only from France I mean I met some entrepreneurs uh, from the US being here uh, from Germany so I think it's just uh, it's just really great also to be able to to. To meet all of these people um, and I think the Portuguese uh, ecosystem, I don't know it so well yet but of course with Parfetch we already have some good connections. We have worked in the past with different Portuguese startups. Uh, we uh, used to have an accelerator for Dream Assembly and uh, some of the company were Portuguese, um, Digimo notably, for instance, in, in Porto and uh, on Digital Avatars, we worked a lot with them uh but uh, a lot of other um and yes i think that uh, it's positive we we definitely also have uh, the, the will to have the portuguese ecosystem it's clearly part of our dna uh with our founder uh José neves, neves i need to be able to find out much better portuguese now <laughs> i think i think
1: what you're saying is is very interesting I and mean, i'm going to give you the perspective on on the students from catholica and we have actually a lot of um, international students that come over uh, here in, in, in Lisbon to study. And um, I would say some of them, perhaps not half, but perhaps a little bit like 30 to 50% of them, they're actually willing to stay and start a business or work in Lisbon because some of the points you mentioned, you know, about the, the, the ecosystem here, the way people work, Um, the ability to meet new people in the in the community etc so I think it's interesting to have your point of view on that and also knowing that for example even now uh, we have a few of the the student startups that want to actually um, build their own startup here even if they're German they want to build here in Lisbon so I think we yeah uh, the reasons that you mentioned are something also that people relate to okay at, at, at the school excellent so and, and you mentioned a little bit on, on uh, farfetch uh, i think everyone here on, on this podcast know farfetch who have heard about farfetch and and now what i'd like to ask you a little bit and to explore is um, the move that you did from your ecosystem your startup ecosystem or your startups to farfetch this is something that the students you know and perhaps the, the people that are listening would like uh, to understand is like working in your startup and after moving to Farfetch, that is perhaps still a startup but much bigger than perhaps your previous startup. How is that to work with uh, such a mature startup? Is that too organized? Is that still the sense of startup that you know you can uh, do things uh, and and grow fast? And or you you in Farfetch you already have this kind of. Processes-oriented kind of culture, or can you share with us what's your feedback on you know jumping on uh, on on the wagon with the, this big far-fetched uh, uh, company? Yes, uh,
0: so no, clearly coming from a you know very uh, agile. And- Uh, ecosystem and and structure like Farfetch is is definitely not the same, it's it's, it's massive today, Uh, it's a big uh, multinational and uh, uh, but what is interesting is that there is the right spirit and the DNA, like the DNA of the company is really, uh, you know, a startup. It has been created this way, it has been like, uh, it started from scratch, the founder is still here, uh, you know, having the vision, it's still uh, uh, so even if the company is public now, uh, there's really like a, a very high um, uh, control of the direction and how we want to move forward, uh, coming really from the DNA of uh, of the the company. So uh, innovation is really at the core of what, of what the company is doing. We were really the first one doing, you know, a marketplace that enabled boutiques. Mm-hmm. To sell online, and that was really revolutionary at the time. Uh, it was in 2007, uh, and there was, uh, you know, like it. it was really like uh, not the right ecosystem for luxury uh, yet, and uh, we were really the first one, for a lot of boutiques, to enable them to sell online and also to sell to China. Uh, so we were really the first, you know, window to 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 uh, to the world, basically. Uh, and of course also the key aspect is that we are not holding any stock. So compared to Netaporte or like competitors we are not holding any stock we are just a, a pure marketplace. And what was really different is that we started as a tech company. so our founder is a dev- is a former developer and uh, this, this, this kind of entry point was very new in the luxury space everyone was very you know brand oriented, very, uh, expert in the in the luxury area but absolutely not in tech so that gave us a massive entry point with the brand and that's the way we really created trust among the ecosystem
1: okay and in, in inter focusing now on the um, on the innovation at at, um, at farfetch is uh, you mentioned a little bit the um, how it uh, scaled since 2007 uh, to um, to now and uh, the window to China and uh, innovation as the core, but tell us a little bit, perhaps also how it changed. I mean, my feeling and the feeling of some of the, uh, the people listening is that it revolutionized the way we can have access to luxury goods and uh, luxury fashion goods. So, is that something that um, having a market place like Farfetch allows us to be closer to these brands? Have perhaps more uh, intimacy with them can uh, eventually you know um, instead of going to some stores going there and uh, perhaps convert or, or buy easier than in an easier way than going to a store how, how is that how did that change your your own way of of saying how it changed the, the luxury uh, fashion goods
0: yeah so i think the goal for us was really to uh, you know translate the luxury experience online and with the same kind of uh, level of uh, uh, excellence and quality, um, and that was really important from day one uh, to preserve also you know the brand's identity uh, to make sure that it's very consistent with the, the way the, with you know the customer journeys, uh, and that's why we focused a lot on the curation. The, cur- the curation has been really really key. Uh, so really making sure we have the right product uh, and we have the perfect way of uh, displaying this product. That's why we still own the, the way we are making the picture. So if we don't own any stock, 90% of our products are actually shot in-house. So we do have the product for a, specific, uh, for a short period of time uh, in our studio in Portugal or in Hong Kong or Los Angeles where we have a studio and uh, we shoot them uh, in a very specific way and that's really part of our DNA. Uh, so so we do, we do this, uh, the curation, they're important, the way we are making our pictures and um, and we really are the first interface to our customer, so we make it super consistent. So basically, the customer is not interacting with the boutique, they don't even know uh, usually where the product is coming from, but we have such a depth in terms of product because we are aggregating all of this uh, this supply that sometimes we have the same product, you know, from different boutiques and depending on where it comes from, depending on, uh, the initial cost, we, we offer the product, the best product basically to the, to the right customer. So we optimize basically the supply to the right customer. And, uh, and yes, we really try to create the best luxury experience end to end up to delivery. Um, and returns, and really making sure that you know uh, the customer feel that this is this is a very exclusive experience uh, from from the beginning.
1: Okay. It, now thinking a little bit about our some of the students that would be you know, listening to to you actually and to this podcast, some of them mentioned in on on the recurrent basis, you know. That um, sustainability and fashion sometimes don't go, you know, together, or that to grow or to have, a, to touch a broader uh, number of people, perhaps fashion should be more sustainable. So there's a lot of discussions about, you know, um, how to make fashion more uh, sustainable. Um what's the view of uh, and perhaps innovation and sustainability in, in in Farfetch? Like what do you see that as a problem? Do you see that as an opportunity uh, for the, the sustainability? How do you see that as a innovation principle?
0: Yeah, no, so for us it's definitely like a core concern and the goal for us is really to, you know, optimize uh the process that we have. Uh basically make sure that we can we can simplify but we can also like improve the way we are doing things and especially when you think about you know delivery and um, return packaging uh, all the operational side uh, that is actually uh, very like uh, energy consuming uh, so really the idea is to decrease emissions for sure and um, and um and we 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 set up some very important goals as well for the company so by 2030 we really want to make sure that we have 100 percent of our products uh really sustainable so that's really uh like a core like vision of the company and yeah everything is made today with the idea that we are going to reduce our emissions so that's um, and that's that's what, from an innovation perspective, I think it's uh, our key entry point because we we can prove that we can add value uh, with without you know damaging the the luxury experience or uh, actually also the profitability uh, by integrating sustainability. So some examples, for instance, that were interesting called Second Life, which is basically a second-hand marketplace. Um, So it's a second-hand portal to enable our our customers to resell their uh, luxury bags via Farfetch. Um, And we partner with a a startup um, to do so. They basically handle the whole uh, operation side and the the backend process. And we were really the first interface to the client. So we we are not selling the, the bags on Farfetch they have their own distribution channel but what we do is that we encourage our customers to resell their bags through us and we uh, convert the the value the market value of the bag into our edge voucher so basically that has been really a way for us to first educate our our customers to sustainability and to the idea that they can recycle um, and make make value from their wardrobe uh, but also, um, but also really like engaging and uh, creating more retention from our clients, and even educating like people to Farfetch. Uh, we had also an incredible number of uh, of uh, people that started to be engaged through Second Life and didn't never bought on Farfetch before. So that was also a way for them to actually buy on Farfetch. So, so, yeah, so that's, that's exactly an example that proves that actually sustainability is also a way to, you know, engage and increase, like, uh, conversion.
1: Okay, because, yeah, this, this sustainability point with all the students and, uh, you know, and trying to create their own startup, we have a number of students that want to make sure that what we buy, We know where it's coming from, what was the CO2 that was used for, uh, you know, shipping from one continent to the other, etc. So there is more and more, um, you know, um, knowledge or willingness to know about what we buy and how sustainable this is. So it was interesting to hear your point on uh, on Farfetch for that and uh, and especially Second Life. And, and, And interesting. Thanks. So, and some, yeah,
0: just some, uh, on some kind of uh, parallel initiative, we just launched as well Farfetch Speaks, which is uh, also with another startup called The Restory, uh, which is about uh, offering our clients some repair services um, uh, to basically uh, repair their shoes and their, and their clothes uh, that they put on Farfetch. And that's fairly new as well. So, um, and we are also, of course, pushing pre-owned, meaning like second hand from vintage store basically, that we have online. Um, And, uh, and yes, so moving forward, we also really have a a supply chain uh, and, um, how can I say, trustability um, concern from our products. So we really want to make sure that all of our products uh, from Parfetch to Bronze, which is a retailer that we, we, we acquired as well. NGG, which is a group of brands that we have uh, involving Off-White, Palm Angel and so on. And Stadium Goods, which is a, a sneaker reseller. All of them, we really want to make sure that they have 100%, you know, conscious products that really are accredited, uh, recognized like conscious products, such as organic, recycled, recycled, and so on. And this really is our goal for 2030.
1: Okay. Th- thanks for sharing that on Farfetch uh, and all this information. Now, what I'd like to do is bring you back to your first startup experience, and perhaps provide a contrast on that. And uh, so, you are also a founder of Rendezvous, and um, we'd like now with the, the info, all the experience you have with Farfetch and uh, you know all the different position you had. If we look back at Rendezvous, is how was that experience at the time? What did you learn that helped you out to actually succeed now at uh, Farfetch?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it was really a, a great learning uh, curve because, uh, of course, like when I started, I was uh, 24, 25, uh, and it was really a different ecosystem as well. Like, um, it was not an ecosystem uh, really like entrepreneurship was not like so mainstream let's say like it was not so common um i was the only one of my 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 class basically going to entrepreneurship um and it was really seen as a you know as a risk uh and i can understand as well like uh, my parents uh, out completely <laughs> after my master, um, and yeah, and I didn't really know where I was going. Uh, the, the ecosystem was not so structured. Uh, I was between Paris and London, uh, but I was also able to see the opportunities of as it was still a very you know pioneer uh, kind of pioneering uh, playground. So. Um, basically, UK Trade and Investment. I was in London. They created the Graduate Entrepreneur Scheme, um, and uh, I was part of this. And I managed to get a grant uh, to basically start my company as a foreign uh, graduate entrepreneur. Um, that enabled me to have, uh, like, basically for like me and my, and my and my team being able to basically get funded for a year. So um enough to basically, you know, leave and um, and and so on. So that was really great. We had access to an accelerator as well in London. So we really seized opportunity Uh from I think London was a very good stakeholder so to to access uh opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um and and i've learned a lot on the journey Uh, i think from day one i understood that i I ever had to make the most of you know each minute whether it was at the school because i started during the master uh, at the school or externally so any any class for me was any course for me was an opportunity to you know shape better my model uh, confirm validate some assumption i really felt grateful to be able to leverage the ecosystem of teachers as well. Uh, I think that uh, what is super interesting, being in you know in a master and focusing on entrepreneurship, is that you really have access to a, a network of experts, and you can really leverage this network of experts. These people are here to really help you, um, and I got so many connections from from the teachers as well. Uh, so any opportunity. Anything was an opportunity to make my, uh, basically, my concept improved um, and the switch uh, happened with the accelerator when I had the opportunity to leave really online, but I did everything offline for a big for a long time initially, really to prove the concept because we are the first one doing peer-to-peer fashion rental that didn't exist before. So we had to really educate people from the beginning and the best way for us was really to how to connect people differently through fashion and how to prove the concept without any tech. So we did this event where people were actually meeting, renting to each other. We created, we shaped an experience around it like a full like, shopping journey. And we made that from flats to hairdresser. To, we really kind of pushed the boundary of retail to prove that this concept could go anywhere. And then we switched it online, basically on a more online marketplace. Once we had the community. Tell,
1: tell me one thing: as um, looking at, at at the students that, um, and, and when you were a student at the time, and between the time you were a student and you were looking at this idea and building it up and getting the feedback from mentors, etc., up to a point that you said, okay. We are ready, let's go and and launch that and and starting having customers. Where do you see the most difficult part in between, you know, finishing as a student and starting your company is that, is getting the right amount of mentoring, getting cash, getting uh, support from other people, where do you see the most one of the reasons why you succeeded at the time is because what? The, the mentors, the money you were from the brand or how, if you look backwards, what would you say was your the first success factor that helped you out?
0: Um, I think uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, and this kind of multi, you know, multi-dimensional uh, approach is key because you need to move on in a lot of different directions at the same time. Uh, I think being surrounded well is key, uh, and it's not easy, especially when you get out of uh, school from a credibility perspective as well, you know, like uh, some people might not take you seriously, uh, and you also need to identify the right people, and I think that uh, this, uh, this is not easy, um, because you tend to go to people that are like you. Um, so, being surrounded well, I think it's it, it, it more than cash or so on, it's really to get the right people that will give you the right reference points, uh, I think. And, like, I think another challenge is management, I think that clearly, like, uh, getting uh, out from school, you are not uh, ready to manage a team or, like, you know, you, you don't have so many of these fields. Uh And I think this, this is something to be aware of and... Uh, and kind of learn uh, on the journey because that's 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 the challenge uh, that is coming
1: as well. This is interesting because we have been we, we just launched what we call a pre-accelerator program at the school, that actually helps out people that are coming out of the school to get into an incubator, and uh, to help them in the journey between these two points and. Really, one of the key things they asked us, and we've been looking at, is really mentorship and helping out these people to get the right connection, to grow, um, you know, and uh, putting them in the ecosystem, getting the right people to get the feedback, etc. One of the things that we believe uh, can also, you know, help help these people to grow and get to the next step. So it was interesting to hear you, especially on the right people and uh, and getting the right uh, feedback on, on that. So. Now, looking at um, and and back to the entrepreneur itself uh, and the, you know, the, the youngster that are looking at or listening to you at this point is some of them, they think that an entrepreneur is like kind of a rock star. You know, you come, you win, you make a lot of cash. And after, you know, you get uh, you get your company going. Do you, what, what would you say or what would be your feeling on the and the entrepreneur is that more the rock star or is that more hard work in the in in, uh, in the in the backstage or how how would you see what would be your view on on the on the entrepreneur
0: yeah i think that uh, there's a lot of hype and there's been a lot of noise around entrepreneurship and i think it can be you know dangerous in some way because uh, there's a lot of uh, disillusion as well uh, because clearly entrepreneurship is hard uh, and there's different way of success in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is more a journey than you know really like a, a, a like a function i would say like you can be an entrepreneur uh, in your job uh, you can you can you can have a you know a job in a big corp- in a, in a corporate group and you can be an entrepreneur and i think it's really a mindset and you need to cultivate this mindset, uh, over the journey because projects will go and flow. And like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a startup is still one project. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's important to, to have this in mind, uh, that it's not just, you know, there's not one definition of being an entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, and yes, there, I think the Silicon Valley, you know, model brought a lot of like very stereotypes kind of, Vision of what is an entrepreneur, what is success, and uh, there's a lot of uh, it can really harm, like you know, people in terms of like their confidence, uh, trust, and like what they can do and what they can't do, and also like uh, perception of failure. Uh, I think that uh, clearly, like 90% of the startups fail, uh, mine failed as well, and I think it's it's, uh, it's important to to have in mind that failure is also part of the journey. And again, I think. Entrepreneurship is just an opportunity to to learn and grow and and, and get, you know, get more aware of your skills and how you can reuse these skills uh, in your life, basically, not just for specific projects. So, um, yeah, so I think it's not rock star. It's really about uh, persistency. It's about also self-awareness, understanding your your, strengths, your weakness, how you compensated witness with the right people it's a lot of human relationships uh, and uh, and I think it's uh, uh, yeah I think it's it's it's, it's a long tail um, but it's also knowing how ha- how and when to you know move forward potentially like uh, I think the, the difficulty is also to not to be taken in your own startup too much because sometimes you know it's uh, the fact to the ability to say stop uh, it, its super hard, especially when it's your own project and when maybe you are by yourself or so on. And it's also part of the entrepreneurship journey to be able to say, okay, I think I'm done. I think this is this is it. I need to be able to move forward to another project, uh, and uh, that's also part of it. So, so I think this is uh, yeah, it's it.
1: I think this is a very, very interesting description, especially the one you mentioned about the ability to move on. What, uh, what we discussed with the students is that y- you have to have the grid to move on, the, the willingness and the, and the strength. But at some point, you're going to have to look at things and you're going to have to say, perhaps now, you know, have to decide. And this moment that you have to decide is super, super, super difficult for most of the people because this is your baby, this is your project. You have been investing so much time and money inside in your relationship, etc. And, uh, and, and, and describing that is is interesting because uh, sometimes people get stuck and they they you know they put more and more effort, more and more money in something that at some point you know will not. They already feel it's not possible, but they still continue, continue invest. And sometimes the best thing actually is to have the um, the ability. To, to decide at some point, you know, perhaps I need to get out or I need to do something else yeah. because no, now it's not it's not moving on. And I think this point is super I think,
0: important. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to feel that you are, you know, an entrepreneur or, for life, but not an entrepreneur for your project only. And I think this is why like, you you need to enable yourself as well to move to new projects and not be locked into one project only. And there's so much noise. I think that's the biggest Difficulty. One of the biggest difficulties of entrepreneurship and startups today is that there is so much noise happening around, and a lot of social pressure. but uh, that you're always like distracted by, you know, on what you are doing, or you always have a positive sign that will make you think that you need to move forward. PR, uh, anything yeah. like you know, competition right. and so on. And so, and so, this is why it's so hard to start because you always have something that makes you feel okay. I'm going to pursue it. Uh, so you need to step back and see. Okay, what's what really what's really the, the situation here, and what should I do?
1: Ah, brilliant, excellent take. Thanks. M- moving on to one of the things that uh, students ask to people like you to during the classes usually is especially at the end of the, let's say, the master degree, they will ask us, you know, I really love my business idea or the one I've been developing in, in, the, in the past month in this specific class, etc. But should I start as, um, as an entrepreneur or should I start with a bigger company and after come back and have my CV, you know, pumped up and come back to entrepreneurship? So there's a lot of questions. And I know that when we ask these questions to, to, to people like you, entrepreneurs, we have sometimes different answers and I'm, and I'm eager to, to listen. What, what's, your, what's your view on that? What would you recommend to someone coming out from a master's degree, like seven years ago, if it was you?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, there is no you know, specific like, way of uh, making it. I think it really depends on the person, the personality and also the, the motivation. I think that if you have the energy, you should go for it. Clearly, because, uh, because this energy is, uh, is precious and you may not have it later on. Um, I really think that uh, it's, a, it's a chance to, to, you know, start a project early. And um, I think that having the ability to start it during your master is great because first, again, you benefit from a whole ecosystem uh, and people are here for you. So they would help you. They will support you. And I think uh, that's something to see. And also because that's the best way to test. I think that uh, you also are not taking too many risks by testing this. So the more you can get before the end of the master, the better, I feel, because you can have some some ideas. Um, I think that, uh, again, like even if, you know, you choose the road of entrepreneurship, there's always a way to, to connect the dots. So I feel that it's not like uh, it's not like you are going to lose the opportunity of the you know your lifetime opportunity of the job. Uh, I'm the first one to you know to prove I'm the proof of this. Like my father was the first one to tell me, you know, like everyone is taking your job now. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> you are you are doing it, and now like you know there are all the new, new, new promotions and new things. Like everyone like you go in the market and like they are taking the job. So. And so, uh, and, and yeah, and so you have a bit of the fear, of course, you know, to be an outsider and how you are going to get back. And it's not so easy and it might take time. Like for me, it took a bit of time because clearly the market was not there. Like uh, now people value entrepreneurs in the companies. They they value the skills that, uh, you know, and, and also what is super interesting is I feel as an entrepreneur, you also, you choose your company much more than the company chooses you because I feel that as an entrepreneur you have high expectations and you know also what you want from a company and like people especially I guess uh, you are not going to go to a company that is not inspiring or you know you you so so I think that it's also very interesting because that's a way for you to be much more free and aware of where you want to work and why you want to work for them. And I and I think that I'm the right example as well. Even uh, at the time when I stopped my company, like Safet was not at this stage, and we were already in touch uh, with some of the people, and they didn't have anything innovation. I was saying, like, you, you need to have something innovation. And it took like um, two, three years for them to, to start doing this. Uh, but they came back to me also because of my startup and not really because of. Of what I've done in the middle or, you know, and I, I think this is, this is a great example of the fact that there is value. It might not be a direct value and maybe you'll take different ways, uh, but, but it's, it's, it's definitely an add-on on your, on your journey and it opens different perspectives. And it's not just about the project, it's really about the the journey that you took and all the different skills you achieved from this, from this project. So, uh, and I think that was for me very difficult to do at the time because I didn't have, uh, you know, like uh, I had to step back myself and think, okay, what did I do during this project? It's not just about fashion rental. It's about all the different things that I've managed by myself. And these are my skills, basically. And it's not about like, you know, a project or job description. It's really all of these skills, how I can make the most of them and how I can choose, basically, the right job based on these skills.
1: So so you would say that uh, you are now working at Farfetch because actually you were an entrepreneur before and this is one of the reasons they selected
0: you, correct? Yes, totally. And my co-founder, my, my co-founder, uh, co-founder. <laughs> I co-founder, but she's my colleague. Uh, she's, she's, uh, she's also uh, a previous founder of the startup. We were actually in the same environment. And uh, um, but that's exactly why they chose us, uh, because they wanted people that really understand the startup world, that, could, you know, uh, that were also valuing, uh, valuing and understanding the, the entrepreneur, and really could make the bridge with the, the culture of the company and, uh, and, and, and have this spirit and then have this open innovation perspective. So definitely, I think, uh, and, uh, and it can be in very different areas, it doesn't have to be an innovation. I just feel that uh, uh, more and more this idea of building you know, by partners is, is, is something that people see. As the value, they know that you know you can't build everything internally. You don't have the time. You don't have the resources. It's not your it's not your focus. So it's also how to think strategically and at the right speed as well to you know just shortcut processes and make sure we are keeping up uh, with the pace.
1: So very very interesting point and uh, and for all the the students that are that are listening. Is uh, and asking if they should start with their, their own company or pursue what they believe is going to have impact on the world or actually go to a bigger corporation, uh, your voice and what you just explained is is important for them because even if we go for a startup direction and at some point we want to go back or we have to go back to the corporate world, this is still an asset. And this asset is valued by potential employers after. So this is something important. Okay. Yeah excellent so now we're going to get to um to the next and the last question and it's going to be about um uh, women entrepreneur and 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 women starting their career especially being an entrepreneur and being a female entrepreneur you know uh, that uh, i mean the numbers are here first of all there are few female entrepreneurs Second, getting funding is also more difficult, or not um, than, than than male funders, etc. So, in terms of going through all this journey from uh, you know living uh, from the master to now at, at Farfetch and going through your your own startup and in the startup world, what would you uh, say? What would you, the, the suggestion you provide to um, a young female entrepreneur that is Passionate as as you are and as you were when you created Rendezvous, and um, and 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 to go and 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 make actually um, an impact on this world with with the idea that they want to develop. So, what Fiona, would you be telling this new uh, and this uh, people that are coming out of school that want to get their startup off the ground? What what would you tell them? What would you suggest? Tips?
0: Yeah. No, I think I think even more than before, uh, it can to uh, be really an opportunity to be a woman in this uh, in this uh, you know uh, startup world because first there is more and more awareness about uh, this gap, and I think that uh, you have like a, a chance to stand out clearly um, because there is this awareness. So so it's important to, to seize it and. Uh, and I think, and I think it's changing really, like the ecosystem is changing, the perception is changing. Um, when I was, when I had my own startup first, it is true, I was like 25, I was a woman, uh, I was in the fashion industry. So there were a lot of stereotypes. And uh, even like, you know, business angels, I got some group of business angels that were like, actually, you know, we're not looking at the uh, fashion uh, opportunity and like, it's not about fashion. It's, you know, like, uh, this is platform, this is e-commerce. And I think, uh, it's just like, there was a lot of like, yeah, stereotypes on, on this. And, uh, and, and I think that the, the, the world is changing. People are seeing things differently. They start, uh, you know, differently. so I think that just like going for it and, and getting to like, you know, the space where there are not a lot of women is great. I think that from, uh, uh, clearly, from the um, industry's perspective, uh, like creating the unexpected is great. It it will always be an opportunity. So get, getting into not the expected industries uh, uh, and, and also being surrounded well again, like maybe, of course, build up your skills, uh, the more skills you have, the better. But but getting the right people, I think it's all about putting them. Uh, but yeah, I think... Being a woman is also like uh, the. I think in terms of like sub skills, there's a lot to to pick up from uh, this in terms of like you know, uh, relationships, uh, also uh, the understanding, uh, uh, creating a team, creating the right energy. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's all about filling these gaps and, and 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 making the most of it. And, uh, and don't hesitate to, uh, you know, to, to push the doors, uh, or like push the doors where women are even more welcome. Because I think that, uh, that it's, that it's super important to just, uh, be opportunist about it. Uh, the world is changing. suits to, to, for women, I think it's, it's great to, to just make the most of it and, and, and also this, like, kind of disturb or, um, shake the the industries where the move hasn't happened yet, because this this is going to be the case.
1: Okay, thanks, thanks for the tips. Um, so, what was a pleasure to have you? Especially, I think what was interesting today is to for you to share with us your journey from you know the master to your company to Farfetch. What you're doing at um, currently at uh, at Farfetch, discussing the innovation there. As well as the, I mean, the initiatives that you have for sustainability, and also what was interesting on, on especially looking for the students and the, and the female entrepreneur, was really your perspective on, uh, you know, learning from the startup, knowing where to stop or where, where, you know, your project has to stop because you're looking not only at your project, but this is kind of. Uh, uh, life approach that you have moving from project to project. So this is important also for people that are in in, in companies and not having their startups. So this is a a good point. And um, the point that uh, I think will stay here is that even if you move and you decided to go for a startup first, you still, this experience was still valued when you went to a bigger or larger uh, company or corporation like Farfetch. And I think this is important for this is important for that to be said and people understand that this is not a waste of waste of time, that people will be learning with their own experience and and trying to put their startup up. But at some point, even if they want to go back to the industry or or go to a bigger corporation, they're going to be welcome because they have learned actually uh, all the skills that's going to be make them actually uh, you know perform in, in this um, in in their current uh, environment. So I think yes, thing, and it
0: really really enable you to to have the opportunity to shape your journey and i think this is this is what is really important is that uh, compared to going directly into a job like you have the opportunity to shape it to shape your journey from the beginning to the way you exit and the way you are where you want to pursue this trajectory so i think it's really about the trajectory and not only about the the, the job and again, like yes, uh, my I think my experience is 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 positive because it's proving that the world is changing, that companies are valuing are valuing this, and uh, and and that these skills are are used day to day, basically, you know, from scouting the right partners to creating trust to negotiating a contract from legal perspective, from the way you build the product, uh, everything is 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 used, and I think the most important is the trust that you create with the startup. Because these companies need this trust to happen, and they do need people like entrepreneurs to make this bridge. Uh, so that's, that's really important, uh, I feel. And I, again, I, I really believe that Lisbon and Portugal has a lot to deliver. There's a lot of opportunities here. Uh, whether it's from the local market, which I think is developing, but there's still a lot of opportunities, especially from the, an online perspective when you think of so many things being offline. And also, of course, from a, from an expert perspective, uh, knowing the market growing here and how people need to, what people will need here, their expectations there. I think it's a, it's a really, really great playground to, to test concepts and to shape them from here and then to be able to scale them. I think it's the perfect perfect play one.
1: Thank you very much, Fiona. Thank you for your insights. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: Talk about podcasts.